for people ready to make the most of every opportunity. In the race to success, we're not all starting from the same place. Level the Pursuit seeks to fill in the gaps and provide accessible, bite-sized leadership lessons for anyone looking to improve their skills and prepare for the next step, whatever that might be. Last week, we talked about setting and achieving goals. Did you get a chance to create your development plan? If not, take some time this week to knock that out. Defining your goals is really important, and you deserve to have a strong plan to work from. Today, we're going to talk about communication. You know, communication is the basis for pretty much every interaction we have as human beings. We use it to share information, to relate to others, but really what it comes down to is when you communicate with someone, at least one side wants something from the other, and it's usually on both sides. That sounds kind of cold, but it's not. You could want connection, you could want information, or you could just want a favor. Even when you're trying to help someone, you still want the satisfaction of helping them or the security of knowing that they're taken care of. So if you know that on your side, you really want something, you can understand that on the other side, it's the same way. And if you can figure out what the other person wants, you're halfway there to finding the common ground that can help you both get what you need. There are several ways to communicate, verbal, written, electronic, body language, all sorts of ways. We'll spend some time looking at these, but there are also a few skills you can develop that will help you no matter how you're trying to get your message across. We'll go over some of these and talk about ways to troubleshoot your natural habits and new mindsets to improve your relationships. This week, your challenge is to figure out which communication skills you need to work on. You'll ask for feedback and make a plan for practicing those skills in the future. communication, what we're talking about is the ability to convey your message so the other person understands what you want them to know. Also, it's your ability to receive information that's sent to you and process it so that you understand what your counterpart is saying. While most of us feel we do this really well, we're often totally unaware when we haven't received a good message, and we may not notice when our message isn't received. Most of us are pretty quick to set someone straight when we know that our signals are crossed, but we need to be able to step back and evaluate both how we send the messages and how we receive them. Good communication involves both crafting and reinforcing your messages, but also listening and interpreting critically the information you receive from others. There are a few great books on the subject, but my favorites are Crucial Conversations by Carrie Patterson, Joseph Grunny, Ron McMillan, and Al Switzler, and Difficult Conversations by Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton, and Sheila Heen. Additionally, there's some interesting takes in Body Language Rules by Judy James. So what we're gonna talk about today are my opinions and my assessments of how communication works, but they're absolutely informed by these books because I've read them several times. So I highly recommend you go over to www.levelthepursuit.com. There'll be links to the books and you can read them for yourself. So today we're gonna to talk about the types of communication, some attributes of good communication, and then some skills you can work on to improve your communication with others. So the types of communication, pretty straightforward. First, we talk about verbal communication when we're talking to people. And you have your personal communication with the people in your circle that you know really well, and then you have professional communication with people at work or school that you don't know as well, often boss or colleagues or people that you don't feel as comfortable with. And this is usually a little bit more formal, but doesn't always show your authentic self. A lot of people, as they rise in leadership, become more comfortable with being an authentic leader, they actually will become more alike and there will be less of a divide between your work self and your home self. But you should do what's comfortable for you and maintain your professionalism in a way that makes sense for how you like to conduct yourself. Another part of verbal communication though is with strangers. And I look at strangers a little bit differently because a lot of people 
do use that formal communication because and really polite communication because they don't know people. But some people use strangers as kind of a throwaway interaction because they'll never see them again. So there's no point in being polite or cultivating a relationship. I think that's a you're missing an opportunity. When you talk to strangers, it's a chance to practice your communication skills. Creating a rapport and creating a good relationship with someone that you see for 30 seconds and you'll never see again is a little bit of a challenge and it can only make your life better. Making someone smile makes your life better. It's good practice and it's good karma. So be nice to strangers and practice your skills. Plus, you just never know what people are going through and so there's no reason to add to their emotional stress. So the next type of communication is our written communication. And there was a time when written communication took the form of letters and formal documents, but more and more, even in the military, we're seeing more and more emails, text, and many people communicate in memes. So your professional and personal communication, that can be really difficult if you spend a lot of time on email or on text to remember that they are different. You do need to maintain that professional persona when you are communicating with people from work. So keep in mind your audience when you're sending a text or sending an email because you do need to actually pay attention to that. If you're looking to get into a job or into school, you should spend some time finding out how they communicate. You don't have to change who you are, but if you're trying to break into a field, you should know the dynamics that they work with, especially in written communication, because many fields have particular templates or setups that they like to see their resumes or curriculum vitae, a a CV. You need to make sure that you're sending it the way they want to see it. Now, if it's a creative field, it's great to push the boundaries and do something different. But if you're going into a scientific field, a military field, that's not the place that you want to distinguish yourself. So you should find out what they're expecting to see because that's not when you want to establish yourself as an individual at that moment. There are definitely times to distinguish yourself, but as you're trying to get your foot in the door, usually that is not the time. And then we have our nonverbals and body language. And when we interact with someone face-to-face, tone and facial expression, posture, all of that is about 90% of what people get the message from. So you wanna make sure that if you're someone whose thoughts go across their face, you need to think about that You don't have to change who you are, but you should be aware that that can affect what people think of you. So no matter what I'm thinking, it is all over my face. That's something I have worked on to try to be a little bit better at least schooling my features so I can control who gets to see what I'm thinking about things. It's not to say that I shut it all down, and I certainly have my own organic reactions to things, but I'm working on trying to make sure that I get to decide who sees all of what I'm thinking about something because sometimes it's just not good practice to let everyone know what you're thinking about a situation. And your posture is a big deal and people don't realize this This is really easy in a work or school environment, especially if you're working at a computer, is to talk to your computer instead of turning your body and talking to the person. Put your phone down, close your laptop. Those things are huge for showing someone that you're actually paying attention. If you're staring at your computer screen, even if you're giving them your full attention, they don't feel that. And so they don't feel heard. And that can be a real problem. So you need to pay attention to that. So what are some attributes of good communication? Well, first of all, it's using concrete language. You have to say exactly what you mean, because not everyone understands if you say it in a roundabout way. So in your personal communication, you don't have to be concrete. You can, But when you're telling someone what to do, you have to tell them exactly what you want them to do. So if you want someone to move their car, you don't say, wow, it'd be great if people would just park in a different parking lot. You go to the person that needs to move their car and you say, hey, you need to move your car. You know, if you have a colleague who's always late for work and it makes you have to do extra work, saying, man, it'd be nice if people were considered around here, that's not helpful. You need to go to your colleague and say, 
when you're late for work, I have to do your work. Could you please be on time or could we work something out? You know, you have to be very specific about what your problem is because if what happens when people try to be subtle or they try to talk around it is they tend to be passive aggressive. That has two problems. Number one, a lot of people don't get it. They don't know you're talking to them because they think they have a perfectly good excuse in their head so you must be talking to someone else. But number two, if they do get it, passive aggressive behavior almost always creates bad relationships. There's very few people that like having someone talk to them in a passive aggressive way. So you're gonna create problems where you could just tell them what the issue is and get it out. So use concrete language. Next, we're gonna take an organized, fact-based position. If you're trying to convince someone to do something or if you want someone to do something for you, you should have fact-based reasons that, you, that this is a good thing for them. It's okay to have emotions, it's okay to use your emotions, but if emotions are all you have and they don't want to do it, Unless you're going to put them on a big fat guilt trip, it's really hard to get people to do what you want them to do. The next part of communication you have to master is listening. So you cannot communicate with someone if you are not able to listen to them and make them feel heard. And so that's your, both your words that you use, the words that they use, and the nonverbals on both sides. You should be paying attention to their posture, to their reactions to the things you're saying, because regardless of what the words they say, their emotions are showing you what they're thinking as well. So you need to pay attention to all of that in order to be effective when you communicate with others. And when you're listening, you need to open your mind to new information. It's really hard sometimes when you go into something and you feel very strongly about your position to be willing to hear new information, but that is absolutely key to getting to where you can both find a, a spot that you agree on. You have to be willing to hear their side of things. And sometimes that involves information that conflicts with what you know. But keep in mind that their facts and their truth are 100% true to them. So even though your facts and your truth are 100% true to you, you have to understand that they don't necessarily see the, the world in the same way and you have to be willing to hear their perspectives on things. And then as I alluded to with the listening, you need to look for their behaviors and their actions to show if they're shutting down, if they're getting defensive, if the things you're saying are triggering them, you need to be aware of that. Does that mean you have to stop? Not necessarily, it depends on the circumstances and it depends on what the point of the conversation is, but certainly you should know because once someone starts getting defensive and they start shutting down, the words you're saying are no longer registering and really honestly can only make things worse in, in most cases. The next thing we're gonna look at is intent. So intent's on both sides. You have to remember it's the other person has a reason for being in this conversation, so you cannot forget that. But we're all basically self-interested. We're basically looking for whatever it is we need, and they're basically looking for whatever it is they need. So you know your intentions, and they know their intentions, but we are not good at guessing in between, especially if you don't know the other person very well. So you need to consider, what is your goal in this situation? What is your optimal outcome? then you need to think about how would you like them to perceive you? What kind of relationship do you wanna cultivate in this position? And what concerns might they have? If their concerns are gonna take away from your goal, you also need to be aware of what compromises you're willing to make. You need to know that, preferably ahead of time, so you need to spend some time thinking about it when you're going into this conversation. Also, when you're thinking about intent, you need to keep in mind that people's actions and even their opinions are often separate from who they are as a person. It's not all one thing. So someone can say or do something that's really crappy and they can still be underlying a good person. So you need to separate that because 
then you can point out these not so great things that they do or say from a place of love, you can help them and maybe they won't do those things anymore. And you have to keep in mind that we all have different facts and we all come from different places and so our stories are all a little bit different, but even two people looking exactly the same facts can interpret them differently. So just because someone was at the same meeting that you were, you both might interpret the things that were done and said in completely different ways. You're both right. You just need to keep in mind that how they interpret things is different. And when you start to take apart intent, it's really easy to get into a blame game, especially if you're trying to talk to someone after something has happened. But keep in mind, all of us as human beings tend to blame the other person first and forget our, about our own contributions, but it's almost never all on one side. Most situations that have a negative or a less than positive outcome had multiple contributions. You must remember that in any situation, you can contribute to the good, but you can also contribute to the less than good. So be aware that blame is not particularly helpful, but it is normal that it would come up in conversation. So if it does, you just need to be aware that everyone needs to accept their part because it's very rare that it's all on one person. And then when we talk about feelings, people try to separate feelings, especially in business, but even in school or more formal relationships. We're human beings. Feelings are part of everything we do. So you cannot get the feelings out of the situation. So it helps to acknowledge them. It helps to confront your own feelings and kind of make sure that you know where they're coming from. It's very easy to focus on one thing because it's easier than going going after the painful underlying issue and totally ignore the, the true reasons for your feelings. So you need to spend some time looking at your own feelings before you start trying to figure out someone else's because you need to know what your motivations are and where you're coming from before you can start trying to guess theirs. But the good thing about it though is if you can open up lines of communication and you can unpack your own feelings and start to take apart why you feel the way you do, you know, if you're upset with someone because of something they did and then you work through that together, you can get over that pain. If someone says something ignorant because they don't have a good understanding of a type of person or a situation and you inform them, they can change their opinion and you can work through that together. So as we grow and learn as people, we can change those things. They're not part of us. Our personality, our soul, our psyche, all of that is relatively well formed, but all the other stuff around it, you can grow and learn and become a better person, become a better communicator if you just try to. And so that's mostly in person, but when we talk about in written communication, people try to guess intent, but when you're writing or texting, it's really hard, except for memes because you can show actual facial expressions, effectively conveying and interpreting tone is really, really difficult because all you have are the words. So people try to read between the lines when they get a message that they're not sure how to interpret. And in a nutshell, we are just not very good at guessing, especially if we don't know the other person very well. So just keep that in mind. That being said, when you're sending emails, especially if you are feeling emotional, if you are frustrated or angry, you should take a second have someone else read it, maybe save it and come back to it because emotion is very difficult to interpret accurately, but there are certain words or phrases that we can use that will convey a particular tone. It's very easy to be rude. So if someone's hurt you or offended you over email, you need to think about that and keep that in mind before you respond. Take a step back, get a second opinion. And if it's someone you don't know very well, it can be very helpful to, or someone that you don't like, pretend that it came from someone that you really do like and read it again. And if it came from that person, would you still think that? Or are you just interpreting tone because you don't care for the person that sent it? So what are some issues that people have when they're trying to communicate? Well, number one is being focused on your own goals. You have to consider the other person's perspectives. Again, you want something, they want something. So you cannot forget if you're trying to get to the, the finish line, if you're trying to win this game, you need to help them too. In general, when you're talking about communication, everybody wins or everybody loses because 
the goal is to make them want to do what you want them to do. So finding a way to get everyone on the same page is a good thing. If you make someone do, if you have the power to make somebody do something, then it's really not a conversation. It's just an order. Now, in the military, we have to do that sometimes, and that's just the way it is. But I will tell you, even if you can order someone to do something, it is way better if you can get them on board and they want to do it and they want to do this, whatever it is to help the team succeed. Because making someone do something, even if you can, is almost never a rewarding or fulfilling thing for either one of you. So number one, you have to think about their perspective. And along those lines, we think about winning and losing gracefully. So if it is a communication, if there is give and take, it's a colleague or a friend, you know, winning and losing do matter. So if you win, be gracious about it. If you lose, don't be a sore loser. Try to get through it. And we'll talk a little bit more about this when we talk about skills to work on. But you need to think about the circumstances that you're under and realize if you've won, take the win. Don't be greedy. Move on. If you, t if you lose, keep in mind you still have to work with this person. So you don't want to burn a bridge here. The next issue people have is rambling or getting off topic. If you're presenting to a person trying to convince them to do something or if you're presenting to a group or giving a talk, it's really important that you sit down and you have a list of things you want to talk about, you want to have a general idea, and you want to be able to go through it. If you're someone who doesn't speak well off the cuff, then you should probably write down exactly what you want to say. You don't have to memorize it 100%, but you need to be pretty close to what you've come up with and what you believe needs to be said. It is incredibly frustrating to listen to someone for five or 10 minutes and then have no idea what they were talking about. I had a boss when I was in training and I would ask him a question and he would talk for five minutes and I would have no idea what the answer to my question was and no idea what the point of what he had just told me was. So I actually had to work around it and I would say, sir, if you don't tell me not to, I'm going to discharge the patient in 8A. And he would talk and I would not be sure what he said, but he did not tell me, do not discharge the patient in 8A. So I would discharge the patient. So you have to figure out for every person, I'm not saying you should do it like that, but you need to figure out how when you're dealing with someone who rambles and doesn't answer questions, but don't be that person, okay? Another thing is people assume that the other person understands what you mean. Now again, people are working from different facts and maybe interpreting the same facts differently. So why would you assume when you say any particular sentence that they understand it exactly the same way you do? They probably don't. So you need to confirm. You need to ask them back. If you've given someone a task, make sure they understand and ask them politely with respect to repeat back what they're gonna do. You know, people do this with their kids all the time, but then they forget to do it with, with other adults. And other adults are, have a million other things going on in their mind. So you need to make sure that they understand what you're talking about. Another thing people have difficulty with is word tone mismatch. So again, body language matters. So if you're not interested in doing something, but you don't want to tell someone you're, you're not interested in doing something, a lot of times your body will, the eye roll, the size, turning your body away, all of those things. So be sure that what you're saying to someone is conveyed in your whole body, in your tone. If you don't wanna do it, then maybe you should talk to them about not wanting to do that. If you are gonna do it, then do it with a smile. Another issue that people have is not asking for feedback. And you have you should ask for feedback from your friends, from your family. Probably your family can tell you which parts of conversation and communication you don't do well. Spouses are generally very good at telling you uh, which parts you could work on, but in general, your friends probably do too. So ask for feedback and ask for feedback whether it goes well or doesn't go well. It's surprising sometimes what you think went well is not what other people really got out of what you had to say. Um, one of the most difficult things about one of the jobs I had was being in charge and I would spend all this time talking about the things that were really important to me and I would talk to someone afterwards 
And one of my offhand comments at the end was what everyone keyed in on and either loved or hated, but the parts that were really important to me, they totally forgot. So you have no idea what people are taking from what you say to them. So ask for feedback, ask what you did well, ask what you could do better. It's really, really helpful. And if you have verbal tics, facial tics, the way you use your hands, those are really, really helpful because they can be very distracting. And the higher you go in leadership, the more important it is that you do those in a way that are not distracting from your message. And the final issue that people have is getting caught up in emotion. And this is a difficult one because it's one that can be used under the cover of bias. Women especially, but it can happen to anyone. When women are passionate when they speak about something, they can be accused of being overly emotional, illogical, or unable to think about the facts. And that can be really difficult. I am someone who is very enthusiastic when I talk. I talk with my whole body. I talk with my hands. When I'm upset about something, it's totally obvious and I process verbally. So when you tell me something, I have a reaction, I talk through it, and then I start making my decisions. But if you don't know me well, it sounds like I'm reacting, I'm yelling, I'm freaking out over something you've just told me, which is not the case at all. This is, I'm simply processing, I have not even begun to formulate my answer and my questions and my decision. But that's not what people see. So I'm not saying you should change who you are, but you should be aware of how your actions are interpreted. You need to be aware that there are definitely people who judge your emotions and how you react to things, and you should decide how you want to be perceived and what part of that you're okay with. I personally have worked on controlling more of that and keeping more of that behind closed doors, being a little bit more schooled in my reactions when I'm in front of people, but my natural enthusiasm comes out quite a bit, and so I still what people notice about me, but it's not as it was once before because I'm still working on it. Again, be who you want to be. It's wonderful if you feel, feel your full emotions with everything that you do, but they're also your emotions and you get to decide who you show them to. And not everybody that you're gonna, that's gonna be in your circle is on your side. So it may be in your best interest not to show everything you're thinking and everything you're feeling to everyone around you. Because some of them may not have your best interest at heart and may wanna use those things against you. If you're being your, your authentic self, that can be really hard when people use that, that goodness and that openness against you. So just be aware that that's an issue. So what are some skills you can work on to get past these issues? Well, first of all, when we talk about leadership training, when we talk about any kind of training, we usually focus on fixing our weaknesses. And you should do that, absolutely. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that. But also, play to your strengths. If you know you're good in person, then try to do that. If you know that you're not a strong writer, but you're really good at communicating with people, try to avoid sending emails. If you can go talk to someone face-to-face, -face, go do that instead, because you know you'll be more effective. Flip side, if you're super shy and it's really hard for you to address things face-to-face -to, -face to people, maybe lead up to it with an email, set a lot of groundwork so that most of it is done before you have to speak to them face-to-face. -face. Figure out what works for you and what's comfortable and what you're good at and focus on that while you work on cultivating those other skills. Next, it's really good to build rapport. Building rapport is one of the most important things that you can do, and it's one that sounds really um, straightforward and intuitive, but the thing is people really focus on building rapport with people they already like, and that's not the point. You can, <laughs> it's really easy to be friends with people you like. Building rapport with people you don't like that's the hard one, and that's the one you have to work on. Listening to people, interpreting their tone carefully, and thinking about them as another human being who has wants and needs instead of the pain in the butt that you have to deal with. It's really hard. And so that's one of the things that I was talking about earlier about practicing with strangers. When you go to the grocery store, have a conversation with the, with the checker, make them smile. When you go to the bank, be nice to the teller. When you go anywhere, if you're standing online, talk to the person behind you. Now, not everybody's into that, 
but that actually can be a little bit more of a challenge. And if you get that person to laugh, you get them to smile. Just think about someone who has complimented you or randomly had a conversation with you online at the post office and made you smile. It makes your day. It makes it at least makes the next couple of hours. So do that, make someone's day, because building rapport is a great skill to have. That can be really hard if you're at cross purposes, if you're not on the same page, but you have to find your mutual purpose. Search for the and, search for the way that both of you can get what you need. It may be a later, it may be a favor down the road, but if you can use your communication to open that door where they can trust you and they know they're gonna get it later, then that gets you halfway there. And one thing that people bring up is, I cannot stand this person. How am I supposed to have a relationship with them? Almost everyone has something about them that's worthwhile. Almost everyone has something about them you can respect. Very few people are 100% all the way horrible people in everything they do. They're out there, but, but let's be honest. As you become an adult, you start to realize that not everybody is all one way. They don't fit into neat little boxes. We all have good and bad in our personalities and in the way we look at things. So find something about them that you can genuinely respect. And then when you talk to them, think about that. Don't fake it. If you fake it, people can tell, but find something you can genuinely respect. And then as you're building rapport, that means starting a relationship and talking to people, interact, interacting with them before you have to. So find a way to create relationships before it's necessary because at some point you may have to give someone a message that sucks. Some messages just suck. You can't make them not suck. If you have to fire someone, you have to tell them someone is it has been injured. In my capacity as a doctor, I've had to tell people they had cancer. I've had to tell them their loved one has died. There's no way to make that not a terrible thing to have to tell someone. But if it's the first time you're talking to someone, that is even worse. So create a relationship so that you get to tell people a lot of good stuff. So if you ever have to tell them bad stuff, it's not as bad. The next technique we'll talk about is attributing good intentions. And that really comes down to the story we tell ourselves about other people's behavior. So are they doing something because they are totally inconsiderate jerks? Or are they doing something because whatever's happening in their life is making them unaware of how they're affecting us? So if someone cuts you off in traffic because they don't care about your safety and they're jerks, that frustrates you. But what if you tell yourself maybe their kid's in the hospital and they're rushing home to get their wife because they just found out there was an accident? You would not be nearly as angry at someone trying to drive fast if you knew that was going on, right? So just take a second. Obviously, we're not expecting that bad things happen to everyone, but they do happen to people. And how people behave is very related to what's going on in their lives. I know I previously had cancer and I remember I could not tell you anything. I'm sure I was rude to people the couple days after I found out because I don't remember anything at all. And so I'm sure I walked in front of people or cut them off in traffic because I was in my own little bubble and had no idea. You don't know what's going on in people's lives. So give them the benefit of the doubt. And then take out the butt. So people try that, they, they'll say, okay, he just cut in front of me in line and I don't really have anything to do, but it really was, it was rude for him to do that. Take out the butt. If you're gonna attribute good intentions, just leave it at that. You don't need to make excuses. You don't need to justify yourself. You're already actually being a good person. So just leave it at that. And then if you really can't do it, consider role reversal. When you're really frustrated about someone's behavior or if, even if you're just trying to come up with an argument, consider playing their role. Argue it to yourself. Why are they right? Because it's amazing how often it'll help you understand their perspective, even if you still don't agree. You can still get a handle on why they think the way they do. And the next technique we have to work on is over-communication. We talked about earlier making sure that people understand and knowing that they're not working with the same frame of reference. In the moment, you can do that with mirroring, repeating things back to them, clarifying what they're saying. So I'm hearing that you want me to do this, is that correct? That can be really, really helpful. But then also following up. 
and asking later, going back and saying, hey, I heard this. Is this not really what you meant? Because I'm, I'm looking back and I'm not sure I interpreted it correctly. That can be really, really effective. And it can continue to build that rapport as well because they know that you cared enough to follow up with them about the information that, that they shared with you. So going back to winning and losing gracefully. So we talked about trying to help people want to be on board. But if they agree, if you win, take the win and leave them alone. Don't follow them around trying to make them understand why they have to do it if you know that they don't want to. Once they've agreed, you won, so stop there. It's really common for a lot of us to want you to understand why we want you to contribute to the household. We need you to understand why you're on the team. If they don't need to in that moment, then leave them alone because they're already doing what you asked them to do. But the flip side is, if you lose, if you know you're going to lose, do it 100% and do it with a smile. Moping around because you don't like it does not help anybody and it makes you look like a sore loser, which is not good. If your spouse gets to choose the movie and you know it's gonna be a crappy movie and you don't wanna go, so you mope around and act like a jerk and slump in your chair, you're just ruining both of your evenings. If you love this person, they get to choose, be happy about it. Be happy because they're happy. Whether you win or lose, you're going to have a continued relationship with this person, whether it's at home or at work. So be graceful. Do not be a jerk about it because it will come back and bite you. Another thing to practice is putting together an organized argument. For specific arguments, you should write down your position, organize it to avoid rambling, and then anticipate their counter arguments and start creating fact-based responses to their objections. It's amazing how effective it can be if you already have a response to any objections they might have. And you'll find how easily you can address their concerns and actually get there faster. And sometimes you can just shock and awe them into agreement, not always, but it's nice when that happens. One thing about that as you're researching and thinking about your counter arguments is one of the most difficult things in communicating is being surprised. So bad news is hard, but being surprised is much harder. So when you take some time to think about your argument and the potential counter arguments, it gives you a chance to go over all of the potential issues around it and so you're not surprised by anything. This is even true when you're not talking about fact-based arguments, but if you're going to have a discussion with someone that could be difficult, like if you're going to have to fire someone, you have to give them feedback, spend some time thinking about their responses, their counter-arguments, just the best and worst case scenarios for their reactions because then you're prepared and when you're prepared, you don't show surprise and so your emotions, you're able to control your emotions a little bit more and if you can do that, then they can too because if you let yourself get keyed up, it's very easy for someone else to key back off of you and it just escalates. So the more prepared you are, the less likely it is to escalate. And if you're an entrepreneur trying to start a business, if you're a student getting ready to interview, if you're in a business area, you might want to think about a couple of the topics that you have to talk about frequently and craft what we call elevator speeches. So this is like one to two minutes where you sit down and think about the really important points that you want to get across if you have these discussions. That way your message is consistent and you don't leave anything out if you get a chance to talk to someone about this thing that is so important to you. And then a final thing when you're trying to craft your argument is avoid exaggerating. If you have facts, then use the facts. When you exaggerate, you actually lose credibility because number one, it sounds like you don't have a good handle on the facts, but number two, it sounds like even you believe that your facts aren't strong enough. So stick to the facts when you have to make an argument because if you start to exaggerate, you really lose people. And then just keep in mind, communication is multimodal. People are watching, they're feeling, they're listening, all of those things. So relax before you go into any encounter. Think about your goal. Don't think about the emotions, but think about your goal, what you need to accomplish in this discussion. And then if you can, get someone to record you if you're going to give a talk 
or if you, even if you're having a meeting, see if someone can record you because vocal tics, how you use your hands, all of those things, people don't necessarily, unless they're trained to look for those things or unless you say like 182 times in a discussion, people don't catch them. So it can be really helpful if you have someone record you so you know what's going on. That way you can also make sure that you avoid that incongruence, you avoid making facial expressions that don't follow with what you're saying because you want to be authentic. You want to think about who you are and you want to be that person. You don't necessarily show all of your emotions, but you want the emotions you do show to be real and authentic and who you truly are so that people know that they can trust you when you're talking to them. When we communicate, what we're really doing is creating a connection between how we feel and who we are with the people around us. If we're authentic in ourselves and do our best to understand how others feel, we'll not only have better interactions, but we'll be more effective in getting what we need. This week, sit down and think about which communication skills you need to work on most. Do you focus on your own needs and ignore others, which leads you to get frustrated easily even with strangers? Do you talk or email forever without getting your point across? Do you have trouble lining up your emotions so your mouth is saying one thing but the rest of your face is saying something completely different? If you're not sure, ask a couple of friends and I bet they can tell you what your weak spot is. Once you figure it out, I want you to work on it three times this week. Three times of building rapport with a stranger. Three times of having someone proofread an email or a text. Three times of writing down your point before you speak and sticking to it. If you need more guidance, go over to levelthepursuit.com and drop a question. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. of communication skills on Level the Pursuit. Good communication leads to good relationships and good relationships lead to happy people. Although financial or professional success is kind of the goal of leadership training, being a happy person sounds pretty good to me. Thank you for joining me and I look forward to reading your experiences and your questions. If you like the lesson on communication skills, please give it a like or subscribe. If you didn't, please comment with what I could do better. Next time, we're going to talk about confronting bias in our lives. Although most people feel like they're fair and make good decisions, the fact is we all have unconscious biases that affect how we relate to others. Unfortunately, there are also situations where bias is right out front and center. Learning to confront bias in a professional way is an important skill that everyone should learn to keep moving forward in a positive way. Don't forget to do work on your communication skills this week. It's great to sharpen the ones you're already good at, but we need them all to be successful. When you're ready to share, head over to www.levelthepursuit.com and post your insights and successes. I cannot wait to learn from your thoughts. Thanks again for joining Level the Pursuit. While we can't choose where we start, we can choose our dreams and how we pursue them. Remember, success is a team sport and there's room for all of us to achieve our goals. So be a good leader, be a good follower, and do something great.